right, back on the designated sitter. I think we're on week four of the shutdown. I, you guys might know better than me. Um, got Stephen G. Smith here and Miggy King. Uh, this week we're joined by Cubs prospect who's played at Texas and plays on Team Italy, uh, Matteo Bocchi. How are you doing, my friend? Doing great. How are you guys? Doing good. Are You're in Italy right now, correct? Yeah, I am. I, I, so when we were listening to the intro, I actually had a question for you. Did you ever watch The Sandlot growing up in Italy? Yeah, I did. Okay, so you recognize well, the quote. probably one of the first uh, Italian, like, uh, baseball movie I've ever seen. I also have the, the CD. <laughs> nice. Is it dubbed in Italian or did you speak English then or no? No, uh, it's in Italian, but uh, I didn't speak any English at that time. Wowza. That's pretty dope. Your English is really good. Did you learn... You know, growing up through school, or did you did you gain it when you got into college? Uh, I would say about some basics at school here in uh, Italy, and then just like the rest. Uh, I mean, I would say eighty percent was in the, in the states and twenty percent here. Yeah, a lot better than our Italian. I'll give you that much for sure. <laughs> True, too. bro. I don't even know twenty percent Italian over here, so I got nothing. Oh. <laughs> uh. That's crazy. So I, I've been curious this whole time and I've, I've done a little bit of background, but one of the things that I couldn't quite find entirely is how did you find baseball in Italy? Was it, was it the Sandlot or what, what inspired you to it? Because, I mean, if you look at early baseball, a lot of Italian Americans were big in baseball, but they'd all, you know, they all lived here in the US. Their parents had, had immigrated over. So it's kind of cool to see someone who grew up in Italy. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, baseball was uh, very famous in the 1980s and 90s. And we had about, like, six, 7,000 people in the stadium, so it was pretty big. But then, like, it started slowing down and nobody went to the stadium anymore. It was it became, like, a, like a, not a sport anymore, basically. But uh, I had a couple teammates, I mean, a couple classmates in elementary school uh, they play baseball and uh, asked me to go practice with them and see if I liked it or not. And um, so I liked it. And uh, as as I did it, uh, also like about 10 of my classmates did it too. So we basically built a team with our elementary class. And that's how I started playing baseball. Were you, were you kind of just um... – a lot better than your when, than your classmates at the time. Like, did you kind of notice that, or were, were everybody kind of on an equal playing field? Uh, so growing up, like my first team, th- that team, like we were all really good, and uh, we won uh, a couple championship with that team. Uh, but then I, when we got to about fourteen, fifteen, that's that's the time where I started like getting a little better than everyone else. But uh, as it was better than everyone else, there was also like two other teammates that also played in the States in college and uh, they were also really good. So we had that a team, you're, you're, team. That team you were mentioning that you won some championships with, is, is that the team that you guys represented Europe in the, you guys represented Europe in the Little League World Series, correct? Mm-hmm. No, How old were yeah. you? So yeah, I mean that that was the probably the best experience of my life. I when people tell me, uh, they ask me, I was like, I was at Omaha in college, and I'm like, yeah, it was great. But when you 
when you go from playing in front of your parents to playing in front of 10,000 people at 12, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> it's lightweight, man. Lightweight. That's crazy. We we actually watched, me and Kaden, we actually watched the, the Little League World Series, and I'm amazed at how competitive that, that tournament is. Yeah, For, like, how young those dudes are, like, so yeah, we we thought we were good because we we killed the like the tournament in Italy and then we killed the one in Europe. When we got there, we almost got game one and then we got smoked the next two games. <laughs> Who did you guys lose to? Uh, against Mexico, and they threw a perfect game against us and uh, against uh, Caribbean, and yes. we lost like fifteen to three in four that- innings. That's like the most unfortunate pool to end up in coming out of Europe and you're playing like Caribbean kids who are three yeah, years. Yeah, we played Mexico. They, they had guys that were like 20. <laughs> <laughs> it's What's that, uh, bench warmers? I'm 12. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I'm 12. Yeah. What, uh, what position did you play outside of obviously pitcher uh, kind of during that? I always played third base when I was a kid and then I got moved to outfield. And then my last two years as a position player, I play first base. Okay. Okay. So this is the part that blew my mind. Tell me, tell me if this is true because I, I heard somewhere that you learned how to pitch on YouTube. Yeah, that's that's uh, not complete. It's not true. I like the uh, the announcer at Texas. He he made like I don't know. Like he probably didn't understand well what I said. But I said. <laughs> I learn with my coaches, obviously, but then like watching videos on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram, I got more stuff, you know, like you just, you get hints and uh, advices from coaches around. That's, that's what I said, but then you made it like, I learned yeah. how to pitch on YouTube. Hey, I don't want to put a chip on your coach's shoulder, but I'd go with that story. It's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at Mateo's uh, Twitter, and it's just strikeout after strikeout of all his retweets of pictures. So I could probably see how he's just studying these different guys. Like, is there a specific person that you like to watch more than others? Or no, I mean, I I just uh, I mean, I wasn't like a big like a. I don't have like a team. I mean, now I do because I play with the Cubs. But before that, I didn't have like a team or a player. I just like to watch baseball in general. Okay, cool. Well, if you ever uh, if if you ever want a team, feel free to root for the Dimebacks because they're, the, they're the one. <laughs> man. We've all got a different dog in the fight at this point. Actually, you played in Chase Field all fall, didn't you? Because you were in the uh, I played Arizona once. Fall League. I played once. once. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I I played, but I didn't play. I, like I, it was not my day of pitching, so I just enjoyed the experience. And I was gonna ask that: what's that like as a pitcher? That you kind of just you know it's not gonna be your turn. You know you're not gonna get called in to really play. So you're kind of just supporting your teammates and just having fun out in the out in the bullpen. Uh, uh so uh, depending on the team, some teams don't want you to be in the bullpen if you're not in the rotation that day, just because you know people just go down there to like fuck around or stuff like that. <laughs> uh, so uh, I, I was in the bench and just supporting my teammates, but that day was like 120 degrees and they, there was not AC. So uh, oh. yeah, they didn't, obviously it was, we're not a big leaguer, so they didn't turn the AC on that day. They didn't turn the AC on in Chase Field? 
Yeah. It's cruel. That's cruel. I mean, cruel. you think about how, like, that, so I, I've gone there a lot. Like, I grew up room for the Dimebacks, and so that stadium is wild. But the roof was closed or open? Yeah, uh, I think closed. Closed? That's an yeah. oven. Were yeah. you guys baking <laughs> cookies or, like, steak on the floor there? I mean, that's <laughs> that's miserable. I mean, there were people, like, trying to, like, stay in front of the fans in the yeah. dugout just to, like, get some air, but... Okay, Mateo, I have a question for you, and it's kind of something a running, uh, not a, it's a running conversation I have with Caden. Um, he's a big American League guy. I'm a big National League guy. Do you like hitting as a pitcher? Yeah, I mean, I, I really miss hitting, honestly. So, I'm, I think pitchers have to hit in the big leagues. Like, there should be only National Leagues. Only National League. Get rid of the DH entirely. That's crazy. <laughs> My favorite player growing up was David Ortiz, so I'm a little biased on that. But um, one of the things that was interesting to me, though, is it is it's got to be frustrating as a pitcher because even if you're you're in the Cubs organization right now, you have a DH in the minors, correct? No, uh, I mean, I mean, yeah, we do until I think Double A or like even if you play in the National League, you have a you have a DH until Double A or Triple A or something like that. Mm-hmm. So. And so you, you're going to kind of lose your practice because you, you had a DH when you were at Texas as well, didn't you? Yeah, we did. Even in college. So it, even in uh, JUCO. So uh, so outside of batting practice, when's the last time that you've had the chance to hit? Like, it's been a while, yeah? I mean, in JUCO, I had one at bat. And, uh, How'd that go? I got a hit. So <laughs> nice. That, that's, when people ask me, I say I hit a thousand in college, so... <laughs> You know what? <laughs> what I almost like watching more than the pitchers hit and and Mateo, you'll probably is like the pitchers running the bases because that is just so awkward. It's like they they probably don't practice it a whole bunch. Maybe you can give yeah. a little insight. So my idea about that is because there are some pitchers that became become pitchers when they're like ten and they never hit, never run bases. But people like I mean I I've hit and played first base until i was 19 so yeah so i kind of i play all my life i play more uh, on the field than on the mound so i think that's like almost a like a, a demographic too right i feel like we see a lot of um um i just forgot his name for the angels uh otani yeah otani right he's a pitcher he's a really good pitcher really good hitter and, and i feel like maybe it's just kind of is it a, is that an American thing that you kind of see where they kind of only pitch or is it specializing where they want to play? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's more American like here. Uh, the thing is in the U S you have more players. So teams might have like 30 players and they can sacrifice 10 people to be only pitchers and have 20 position players or stuff like that. Here we might have a team with like 15 people. So you have, two pitchers and then four or five that play both and so that's why because it's probably not uncommon that like that your shortstop would come in to pitch right after your starter you know maybe starting to get tired i i i find like a lot of similarities to juco like juco is it's kind of you have position players coming on the mound during the games because the team i mean teams are a little I mean, you don't have too many people in team that are going to play well. So uh, it happened many times in Juco to face, I don't know, like a shortstop or face like uh, put our shortstop in the game or our off field during the game. Yeah. yeah. So I have a, I have a so, question, Mateo. 
Do you know who Michael Lorenzen is? Yeah, I do. I was watching his live on MLB yesterday. So nice. Did he win? I don't know. I saw. I only watched John Duplantier. No, I, I was watching his workouts. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, dude, that dude's massive. First off, that dude's huge. But um, is that something that like? Because I know like the Reds will put him out in the outfield and then have him come and pitch and like kind of like do this back and forth. Is that something that you'd like be interested in? Is you think that's something that you could do or no? Yeah. So actually, I literally texted my a friend of mine yesterday and said, uh, "That's gonna be me in the big leagues. <laughs> that's Hell what I want to yeah, do. <laughs> that's awesome. I want to swing the bat, but I haven't swung the bat in five years now. Like, like actually practicing. So I don't hey, know. It's just like riding a bike, dog. Yeah. <laughs> you, you never forget, bro. <laughs> this is the problem. The problem is like you go to high school and like the pitcher's top thing is like seventy five. And then you go to college and they're like hitting mid nineties and you're not batting. You haven't batted since they were thrown in the sixties. And then you get to the majors and you know, Chapman's thrown in the hundreds, your lowest guy like is thrown in the nineties and you haven't hit since they were thrown in the sixties. That's gotta I be. I disagree. I watched Zach Grinke throw an 87 mile an hour fastball before. So I mean, we have a, uh, we have a uh, Kyle Hendricks throwing 84, 85. Yeah. That dude's got movement though. Hendricks, Hendricks yeah. pitches are wild. Yeah. That seems like that's like almost something like the coach Joe Madden does a lot, though. Like he's so, I feel like he's like so much kind of advanced, not even I don't know if the word's advanced, but he kind of just thinks outside the box where he'll put his, you know, a pitcher out in left field for one batter and then he'll bring him back in and get a lefty on lefty matchup. Um, yeah, I don't know if he can do it this year with the new rules. You can't. Right. Yeah, the three batter minimum. Yeah. You still have well, to be on the mound is, or you have to be in the field. Like if I don't know. No, that's interesting. Cause, well, and the other thing, too, is he's been in the National League for a good bit for a while now. Because remember, there was that big issue where the Red Sox played under protest last year against the Rays mm-hmm. because they did the double switch. And it, it messes some stuff up with the designated hitter rule, one place where that ruling is weak. And that was a, I mean, that was like a 30-minute game delay just to figure out what was going on. Batting lineups, too, right? Everyone's like, they don't know where they're hitting oh, anymore. It was only a delay because Alex Cora was throwing a fit. He should have just played the game and let it happen. <laughs> I mean, well, he wasn't necessarily wrong in my opinion because the rule says is the rule is is if you replace the pitcher, you don't get a DH anymore. If you do that, that's what the rule says, and they didn't go by it. But we won't get into that because we've got an awesome guest here. I don't want to waste our time. <laughs> so, how are you guys staying in communication with like your team and right now, Mateo? Is it is it kind of video chats and stuff like that, or uh, we have? Uh, I mean, we we stay in touch with the uh, messages or emails, and then we have an app where we get the programs to do and oh, cool. then you just saw uh, you fill it in with I don't, know, I don't know how many throws that day how do you feel and stuff like that oh cool so do you have a facility that you get to like throw at yeah the park in front of my house that's my facility now yeah all right yeah cool who's catching <laughs> my weight room is my garage good deal who's catching you over there uh, a towel nice <laughs> like a blanket <laughs> nice does it fumble the pitch a lot? <laughs> um, so, okay. So you played in Texas and I thought it was kind of interesting. You played with Roger Clemens' son. Mm-hmm. Was he at your games a lot? Like, what was it like kind of being around somebody who's historically a pretty all-star pitcher? Yeah. So he, he was around a lot and uh, he was also, I mean, even if he was not in, like in the coaching staff, he would come to the locker room and talk with us. And, uh, he came like five, six times during the season just to like 
uh, I don't know if we needed some help. I don't know. So people were like scared to throw strikes with, I don't know, two, two O's count, throw strikes, like fastball down the middle, but he would come in and say, you still have to hit your ball. And like, I mean, it was, it was like most of the times it was like also like basic stuff. But if you hear basic stuff from him, you get more, obviously like, like it, it's a little different from like a coach or someone that you never like, you didn't know before. And you say, okay, throw fastball down the middle. But then if you, Roger Clemens comes in and says, okay, I face, I don't know, Barry Bonds, I throw fastball down the middle. Like, I mean, <laughs> he was Roger Clemens, but yeah. he still like did it. So he gets some confidence. Yeah. Do you I, have a? Do you have like a pitcher that like you love that you kind of try to model your game after, or no? Not really. Like uh, I was uh, watching like a lot of Sea Shake just because he throws mm. like me. Oh, are you a submarine pitcher? Like yeah, a sidearm. I, I, Sidearm, yeah. I was uh, three quarter in college, and I got dropped down my senior year. Then, so now I throw like sidearm. I gotta look you up, dude. That's crazy. Yeah, I was watching a little bit of that Texas game, that game three. Yeah. That uh, mm-hmm. oh, what yeah. was in your... 2018? I was still yeah. three quarters down there, like yeah. that day. You weren't what? expected to start that day either, yeah. So I was not to, but we lost game one. We won game two. Like we were winning game two, and it was like. Do uh, win or die, like win or go home. So yeah, uh, our game three started to go put in the game and close the game. So coach looked at me and he goes, "Okay, you're starting tomorrow. See you, see you tomorrow morning." And so it was kind of like, "How'd you sleep that night?" Uh, I went to sleep at like eight. Like uh, <laughs> wow. I was like, "Let's say it's better if I go sleep early and uh, don't think about it because you get you." you like, if you go in the game, like, right away, you're going to do good. But if you, like, just think about it and then procrastinate about it and all the bad, uh, <laughs> like, all the bad things comes out and come out. And mm. what, what do you like as a pitcher when you're getting ready for a game? Are you a pretty intense pitcher? Are you pretty loose and easy? Because pitchers are very different from each other, especially starting pitchers. So when I start, I like to take, a, like, like an hour and a half before I pitch and just like go down there like in the bullpen or like by myself and just like roll out and just do some like easy stuff until I get to like 40 minutes before a game and then and then go because I, I, I don't like to be in rush when I warm up and then when I'm in the games I was pretty like uh, I felt like a lot of pressure my first year in college and uh but the thing that made me do like uh i mean the thing that made me better was to be in the game and just like be super relaxed didn't matter like the situation of the game like i was gonna go in the game and i was relaxed i just go in the game don't think about anything except for throwing the ball so yeah when when you were still throwing kind of upwards a little bit it seemed like you kind of went between your slider and your changeup and then used the uh the sinking fastball as your put out pitch has that changed since you've moved your arm slot uh so yeah i mean i was a fastball slider guy in college and then uh when i dropped my arm i was basically fastball slider but it was i would say 95 percent fastballs in college because our coach was i mean people weren't hitting me hard so 
coach keep calling fastball to get ground balls and get quick innings to be efficient. But then when I got to pro ball, I, you know, I had my inning and I had to like show what I had. So I threw more sliders and again, more strikeouts. And uh, so now I'm like, I would say 60, 60% fastball, 30% sliders. And I'm throwing a change up too. It's not, yeah. it's not very too consistent, but it's good at times. <laughs> I'm still working on it. So I have a question. So we, me and Caden talk a lot about like what, um, what's the the next step in like the future of like scouting players and whatnot. Um, and we talked a lot about like if you can identify injuries, like especially to pitchers. Do you notice that like your arm feels different depending on your arm slot, like like the tension in different places? Yeah, the tension in different places. I I've noticed that. So like now I get sore on the back of the elbow. Mm-hmm. instead of before i was getting sore more on the lat but uh does i worry you uh, at all? Huh? does that worry you at all no no i mean it's uh, no because it's like it, it's always sore in the same spot and it's not pain it's just like muscle soreness so i'm not worried about it and then also i've i don't know i feel like it's very natural to throw side arm for me so i'm not i mean it didn't it never hurt my arm Mm, that's awesome what was what was your um your like your recruitment process like before going to texas uh so actually i went to a showcase with the the international stars like these guys like this is um uh it's like uh basically like a a group of like it's like few coaches that have like this team called international stars and uh they go in the States every year with uh, anyone who wants to go from Europe and they, and they get games in front of scouts and, and coaches and stuff like that. So you get some exposure and a chance to like play college or sign even, even if that's not very common, but uh, a few people sign after this showcase. Okay. So I, Steven and I talked about this too. I, I don't think they're supposed to, but after you played in the Little League World Series, did it feel like there were kind of eyes on you from that point on? Or did, did until the International Showcase, do you feel like you didn't really have any contact with anybody in baseball at all? So uh, I don't think uh, the Little League World Series like, helped me with recruiting process, but I think uh, play with the national like, team Italy in the young ages, like, you get some exposure around. We don't have many scouts here in Italy or in Europe, but when there is like a European competition with all the team, like national teams around, uh, pretty much every scout goes there. So that's, I'm not, I'm not saying the only shot you have, but uh, almost. So that's one thing. And then uh, there is like a MLB camp that is that takes place in Europe every year. And uh, I went once when it was in Italy. So there in that in that showcase there was this scout from the Orioles that organized the the showcase in um in the US every year. So I'm friend with this guy now and uh he for, since uh I think he started like 5 or 6 years ago and now he's like becoming like a pretty popular thing in Europe. So now there is like 50 people going every year to like showcases or in the States. And, 
they had about they have like about 10 people 10 15 people sign with college every year so it's and, and they're just playing games right are these showcases basically just games yeah it's like games in like pro days where you you run the 60s you throw from the outfield and stuff like that so but yeah it's pretty cool it's a pretty cool thing it's like a great opportunity because college coaches like can go around but they would never go to europe to like recruit one guy it would be too expensive and yeah that makes sense so do before you think forget, that oh sorry go no, you're good. before i forget um I, i'd ask people to submit a few questions and i got one that i wanted to that particularly stood out um your old teammate mason hibbler uh-huh. told me that i needed to ask you about your parmesan cheese and i was tempted to think that he was making a tease about an Italian throwing a fastball, but given you're from Parma, Italy, I don't think that's quite what he meant. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it was my roommate in uh, in JUCO, and then we played together at Texas, and uh, he was he was shocked when they brought like eleven, like ten or eleven pounds of cheese, <laughs> and so but. He loved it, but he he was very shocked when I he was like, "What, eleven pounds?" I was like, "Yeah." And then, but then the next year he was like, "Are you gonna bring it back again?" I was like, "Of course." So, <laughs> hold on, you brought eleven pounds of cheese where? To the states, to Juco from Italy. Yeah. <laughs> did you have to? So, did you have to declare that at customs? <laughs> yeah, but you you can bring cheese, so that's allowed. <laughs> it's um. Given, given that isn't is Parma, so a lot of Americans aren't, you know, we don't really know too much about Europe because we're a little insular, but is Parma where, Parma's where Parmesan cheese is, correct? Yeah. Like that's the, that's the home origin of it. That must have been amazing. Yeah, it is. yeah, he was laughing. He's like, you have to ask him about his Parmesan cheese. And I was, I was laughing. I was like, okay, well, we'll see what he's got to say. <laughs> where you're, uh, what, do you, are, so I'm not really familiar. Do you have any brothers or sisters? Or your, uh, is your parents athletic? Like where'd the athleticism come from? Uh, so my dad played basketball 25 years and um, wow. my mom she never played sports uh, I'm only child and I don't know I don't know like it's weird how I start playing baseball but. yeah okay so I have a question I know this is real random but so I'm a Phoenix Suns fan and okay. I think it's Devin Booker's dad played basketball in Italy any I no, no idea something Booker yeah. Oh man, I'm pretty sure. I, I just I can't imagine that Italian basketball is a huge world. Like you probably know each other pretty well. No, I I know more about Kobe Bryant playing. Uh, it was like where where he stayed. It was like 20 minutes away from my house, so it was pretty like popular in that city. Oh wow. What what are things like for you right now in Italy? I mean, think it's it. It started a little more aggressive than the U.S. We've kind of caught up, but so here, like uh, I feel people were um, not ready. Uh, so it, it all began like there's like a there's a lot of stuff going on uh, in the world, but you know there's stuff that people don't expect to be like this bad, and they're like, oh, okay, it's just like a virus. Like China is like one point. 2 billion people and they only had like 60,000 cases which is nothing like there is other flu that kill more people and all stuff like that but when he got here and people began to like die every day and people go to the hospitals hospital were full and they like on the tv they literally said 
we're gonna give the like like we're gonna put uh, young people in the hospital before old people so like literally old people like had to stay home and die like it was really bad so now now we have like a lockdown since i would say march 10th so it's been like a month and uh we cannot go outside like we can only go outside like within 200 yards from our house we have to be ourselves yeah you need like a paper like this certifies that you literally have to like do it every single day to say i'm going here to do this and you can only go outside to like go to the grocery stores you cannot see people you cannot yeah. it's kind of crazy right now so there's there's a plan in the works right now with mlb they're um americans can't seem to really get by without sports and i'm one of them i'm kind of part of the problem like this has been one of the weirdest four weeks ever there's nothing to watch there's nothing to do like like that anxiety i haven't played video games in like two years i bought a playstation just to play mlb the show like i'm missing baseball so much sometimes when i'm eating dinner i'll let like the simulation run like it's a game running like it's weird not having sports right <laughs> So during World War II, they made sure that if you were a, a baseball player here, you were exempt from going to the war because they wanted to keep baseball open, right? They wanted people to have something to look towards. So MLB is trying to come back like crazy right now. And so they've proposed a couple plans. And one of the plans is where players are going to be completely quarantined into their room. You only leave the hotel to the stadium, right? No seeing your family. It's kind of an intense plan and it would it would kind of isolate a lot of people, but I am curious. Let's say, you know, mid-June comes around, they go forward with the plan and the Cubs call you up. How do you feel about that plan? Like, do you like that plan as a player? You know, I don't want to get you in trouble here or say anything, but you know what you're comfortable with saying, like, how do you feel about it from your perspective? You know, if you were to get called up going into that plan? I mean, I feel uh, to be there and playing baseball or being here is pretty much the same thing. Like here, I'm with my family down there, being like, with my teammates, but if you cannot go outside here, you cannot go to anywhere yeah. at your house, like, and you go down there, it will be pretty much the same thing. At least you're playing baseball and you do something productive during the day. Um, I also seen that um, MLB doesn't want to play until there are no, like, restriction about uh, fans, like, uh, fans at the stadium, like, they don't want to play with like, door closed games or stuff like that. So I feel like it's going to take a long time, but yeah, I so mean, that, latest, the, that latest plan they're they're finally considering doing it without fans. Do you feel like that would be weird to have nobody in the, in the stadium? I mean, when, when, when you play rookie ball, you don't have fans anyway. So that would be, <laughs> so that would be the same thing. But when you like, when I play in a low A or from that on, like you see, you have like five, six thousand people, and that—that's like, uh, like part of the fun of baseball. Yeah. Like it, when you play with five thousand people every game, and then you go with from five thousand to zero. That that's like, I don't know. I I, I don't really want to play like that. So. Mm, no, that makes sense. That's fair. It is interesting because it would put the Cubs. They they've they've just one of the plans that was proposed was putting people into their spring training facilities. Mm-hmm. and then reorganizing the leagues just for the year. And it would put the Cubs against the Giants, the Diamondbacks, the Rockies, and the, the Oakland A's. And I thought that's kind of an interesting division. Like, it, it's very Theo Epstein-driven. 
Like all those teams are very, you know what I mean? They're, they're all kind of a little data driven. You know, you got the A's and the Cubs who have kind of interesting ways of farming systems. I, I am curious about that. So so the the Cubs are a interesting system, especially just having one in 2016 and being very data driven. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have friends who are in other um, organizations and there's there's an obvious difference between the way you guys kind of handle things between organizations? Uh, yeah, I mean, I have a I have a friend from Italy too that uh, he uh, he plays with the A's, and uh, and then a friend like from JUCO that plays with the uh, Astros, and uh, like the A's are very uh, I don't know like about pitching like I haven't talked with him a, like a lot, but they they seem like like a normal like I don't know. They they do like normal stuff instead of the Astros. Like my friend went there and they said, okay, you're not gonna throw two seamers anymore, only four seamers because that's what we do here. And I was like, damn. Like in the big leagues, like they have Gary Cole, Verlander. They only throw four seams up in the zone. The only guy they that throws two seamers is Greenkey, but he. Uh, I mean, you won't. Yeah, you won't take understand. any advice from anybody. Yeah, you you cannot you cannot change Greenkey that he already had like ten years in the big leagues as like an all star pitcher. Like, but if you have someone in the farm system and, and and you and you think four seamers are better than two seamers, then yeah, that, that's what you're gonna do. So I, I'm is that like a common practice you think among clubs to just be like, Hey, like I know this is what you've done this whole time, but this is what we want you to do. Like have the Cubs done something like that with you at all? Or is it kind of more just like, Hey man, go do your best stuff and we'll help you with, with what you got. So the Cubs have like, uh, the 45 days rule. So basically when you get there, they don't tell you any, like nothing for like 45 days. They want to see what you got. And then they, after, after they see that, then they're going to work with you and correct stuff but uh obviously they said we signed you for a reason so if we send you because you're good the way you are we cannot change every pitch you have maybe we can say okay we're gonna make your slider like a cutter we're gonna make you like a split finger like a circle change or stuff like that but they won't change you much yeah because you were good that's why we signed you is because you were good yeah like they wouldn't we don't want to change too much yeah yeah that's fascinating. So I actually had a, another question. Do you do you think that baseball is on the rise in Europe? Because you said it was real big in like the 80s and 90s and then it kind of dropped off. But you're not saying that there's like these showcases, there's these scouting combines. Like is that something that you think is going to get bigger or do you think it's kind of just staying the same? I mean, uh, I feel like right now it's staying the same. Maybe it's going down even because uh, all the money are getting like concentrated in like main sports. So mm. right now, we, without money, you cannot do anything basically. So um, yeah. it's soccer it's a lot that dominate. Like the, the main point I've, I'm like I'm living like here in uh, Italy is that uh, players that aspire to play in the highest league then they get there and they they don't even get paid so they're like how can i be like a pro and don't don't make anything like they still have to have a job and go work Mm -hmm. and then go to the field and play for nothing so like that's the basic 
I feel that's the basic problem of baseball in Europe. There's got to be something interesting at extended family dinner when people ask, you know, oh, what do you do now? And you're like, oh, I play professional American baseball. It's got to be kind yeah, of... I mean, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Like, uh, I feel like in Italy, like, I mean, for every European player, the, like, the dream is to play in the U.S. Because hmm. you can have a dream to play in, uh, in, in like, our leagues. Because, yeah, you can play, you can be the best player in our league, okay, but, you, I mean... No, no one is going to remember you for, like, you go around and you say, okay, I play professional baseball in Italy, and you're like, okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Neat. Hey, what team? Yeah. Yeah. I So, I don't want to, you, you can say whatever you want to on this topic, but you did get me curious because you're talking about your friend in the Astros organization. <laughs> um, it's a bit of a hot topic. <laughs> 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 Do do people you know in the Astros organization who are in the lower funnels like do they feel kind of cheated by things going on? I mean, it's got to be kind of strange, right, to be in that lower organization looking up and because no one's banging yeah, trash I mean, cans for a single A, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so this friend of mine signed last year with me, like this. So he was in the Astros for a long time, but uh, I still send him every post to see about uh, trash cans and stuff like that, and I say like cheer, but it's. It's like a joke. I don't know. Like, it, it obviously he doesn't know anything about it. Like, I don't think right, right. The organization more, would talk with like lower levels. Like, more where I'm coming from too is is you're not involved in that, but you're kind of seeing you're like, oh man, like I'm in this organization. This is the reputation it has. You know, like yeah. I, 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 you, you wonder what they want to do. Like, do you, do you as a player think, oh, I want to get into the bigs and like restore the legacy, or I kind of want to get Trant, you know traded so i don't have to be kind of attached to that like it's got to be a weird place to be in if you're a yeah i mean a young player it, it, def- it definitely would be really weird honestly like this friend of mine like i've told him like a few times like we made like i made like a couple jokes but like it's hard to say i want to get traded like yeah you know, yeah especially because he's from texas and he's an astros fan so he's playing with the astros like his dream team like yeah he wants to play for them it's a stab in the heart for me so i lived in houston the year they won the series you know and like you had the hurricane and stuff like it meant a lot to the city so like i'm still i still don't know how to process that myself as a fan you know what i mean because i still want to love them because like i actually really like i liked jose altuve a ton and i don't know what his involvement is but as as a pitcher does it make you rethink the way you and your catcher communicate do you think there's a way that you can change communication so a camera wouldn't matter you know what i mean by that i mean i feel like it's like this talk should never had like it should never happen like you cannot like if you can steal signs from the field i mean i'm good with that but if you use like cameras to like cheat or stuff like that that's i mean that this should never happen you know I mean, yeah. you think I, there's I, anything that you can do to like make it make sure that it doesn't? Does that make sense? So it's impossible. I mean, uh, it could be like if you have like a really good sequence and and you change it every inning, but then like I'm going on the mound to pitch. I'm not going on the mound trying to like <laughs> I know like to like like to read the formulas for my catcher to get the the right pitch. You know? Yeah. yeah. Well. You Mike can just do what Mike Trevor a, Bauer did and show what pitch you're going to pitch every single time before you do. Just that way they know it's coming. You just beat them. 
that's <laughs> do you watch do you watch a lot of have you watched college football mateo uh not much i went to the games a few times when it was at texas but uh yeah Forks i think like 90 percent of the teams 90 percent of these teams they like uh they'll have like the, the coaches doing the sign the two backup quarterbacks are doing fake signs they hold like these giant posters of like spongebob and other just funny michael scott funny pictures like I actually, I thought that would be like something they could do in the pros if they honestly thought that this was like going to be such a big thing. Is you just have like you have your three catchers. Everyone gives like a fastball. One gives a curve, and one gives a changeup with their own sequences. But you're only watching one of the three. Like and you know which one you're supposed to watch. You know which yeah. one you're supposed to watch, right? Like that's they would never figure that out. Or you but just I go back to college with the with the numbers and you just like read the yeah, yeah. the numbers. I always thought that was interesting because you'd hear the coach from the dugout, you know, like zero four three catcher looks yeah, down and zero four, and then you know yeah, flashes I mean, it. In uh, college baseball, they they do that, but only the catcher has it. In uh, softball, I've seen like pitchers having the the signs too. So like the coach gives the sign and the catcher doesn't give the sign to the pitcher. They just know yeah. what they're gonna throw. What's your That's favorite wild. thing as a pitcher? Do you like uh, do you like having strike three with them looking or them strike three like swinging and missing? What's your what's kind of your favorite? Do you like them yeah, just I like like, there? like strike out looking? It's cool, but like uh, when they swing at a pitch, it's like and they miss it like two feet. That's also cool. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like when they swing, they have no clue what's coming. Like what 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 that pitch was. That that's really cool too. All right, Mateo, it's a hot topic. Um, if you someone hits a homer off you. Are you cool with them pipping it? Uh, I I don't care honestly. You know that's one thing I admired about you. I watched your games, and it seems like as a pitcher, you're just in the game. Like there's some pitchers who pace a lot, and they do like a lot of like motions, and they do a lot of look in. But it seemed like your focus was I'm getting the ball to the catcher's glove, and and it didn't seem like there was a lot more to that. You were just very in the game. Do you yeah, feel like I feel you like have? A, the- Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Do you feel like you have an approach like that? Like, yeah, as you were saying. Yeah, I feel like uh, the best way to get over the home run is starting to strike one to the next guy. So if you if you give up home run and you just like trying to like see if the, the guy is pimping the home run or doing anything wrong and you just trying to find an excuse like, I don't know, do something outside your your job then I, I i don't think that's gonna help you at all like the hitter is gonna hit a bomb off you and pimp it to distract you from your job so like it's like if i strike somebody out and i say i don't know let's go or do something and the hitter is gonna look at me or getting pissed like i'm doing my job and doing whatever i want to and if if he looks at me he's like Getting just like frustrating, again. and then next at bat is gonna do even worse. You know. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like that mentality kind of helps you with people? Like, have you seen the Soto Shuffle? No. Juan Soto's kind of pop. So Juan Soto's very popular oh, yeah, for yeah. doing like a oh, shuffle yeah, yeah. and looking at the. Do you find that annoying? Like, if you had a if you had a batter who's just being, are you gonna kind of try and push him off the plate, or do you just throw your next I mean, pitch? I feel Soto was like so hot in the World Series, so. Like he, he he was doing Do that because you want. he had confidence. <laughs> he, he he had confidence in doing yeah. that. So like, I mean, I feel like people would challenge him to see. Okay, you're doing that. See if you can hit this ball. And he and he hit it. So 
if you can um, do that, like you, yeah, you deserve yeah. it. It's hmm. true. What what's the what's the um what's the scouting like, or what's like the 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 analytics, or the or the just kind of the stats you get on the players, um, in double like A and triple A stuff like that. Yeah, your scouting report. Like, I just I, I kind of assume it wouldn't be as in depth as obviously at the big leagues because. You don't. You may not even know who's going to be playing that day, or if they get called up. But is there some like? Is there still some sort of a skeleton um, type report that you study? Uh, yeah, th- there is. But uh, when uh, so when they play in rookie ball, the report was just like go there and you and the catcher like figure it out. And when they play in uh, low A, it was pretty much the same. But then. There, you only have like ten teams in the league, so you play the same team multiple times. So you st- you get to know the players, and uh, coaches have some like scouting report before the game. We have our analytic guy that comes to the, the locker room and he says like, I don't know, this guy can hit fastballs. Like, don't throw a curveball to this guy, or this pitcher throws like mid nineties. He loves to throw fast with O two and all this stuff. And um, when I play the only game I played in AAA, I didn't even like talk about stuff like like about scouting reports. Like my catcher knew it, and like he didn't know me, so like he cannot call a game and say, "Okay, this guy cannot hit a fastball," but maybe I throw eighty-two miles an hour fastball, and this guy can hit it. So yeah, if you know the pitch, I feel if you know the pitcher, you can like call a better game than just have a random like. I didn't know any one of those guys and just gone on the mound and had to throw two innings. So, mm-hmm. How much but, do you uh, keep in touch with guys you've played with before? Uh, with some guys, I, I stay in touch, but it depends. Like Maybe I, I put a comment on a picture somewhere and then mm-hmm. reply to a story or like someone texts me and said, how are you doing or stuff like that. It's not, it's not super intense. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. It's interesting. So I don't mean to double back, but you were saying earlier too about the best way to get past a home run was just to get to the first um, the first strike on the next guy. It seemed like when I watched, I watched through quite a bit of your games too. And it seemed like if you were able to get that first pitch for a strike, he was already out. Like it felt like once you had, once you led the count, you were pretty good at keeping ahead. Do you feel like that stayed consistent for you that you get like a confidence boost off that or? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh- it definitely puts you like head uh, like ahead in the count. Like when you get ahead in the count, you can like I'm not saying waste a pitch, but then when you get like oh one, you can you can throw like, your best pitch. If he doesn't like swing at it, you're still one and one. So, um, I mean, getting ahead in the count is good, especially with good hitters, because when you play college and you don't have like a great hitter. And you go to like even like two counts or three one counts, you can throw a good fastball and they still get themselves out mm-hmm. because they can like if they have their pitch, they can still don't hit it out. For example, but if you if you pitch against like I don't know your your favorite player David Ortiz and you get three one counts and he gets his fastball, he's probably the ball is probably not coming back. So yeah, I feel like yeah. better better like higher the level you play, more important is to get a strike one. Mm. because i feel people trying to like do too much when they're in college if they're not like great hitters they try to do too much when they get like plus counts like plus counts i want to hit a bomb or stuff like that so like that's at times being like behind the count too all you get like 
a good fastball down and away or down and in with some sink and again a ground ball. Yeah. Okay, so I have a would you rather question. So I, I want to know between the three of these things what you'd prefer. Um, would you rather throw the, the the record for the fastest pitch to ever be thrown, have a perfect game, or win a World Series? <laughs> I mean, I would say win a World Series first and then perfect game and then the fastest pitch. Yeah. Mm. Where does your fastball sit right now? Are you like a you mid-90s guy? Yeah. No, no. Uh, I mean, the my my average fastball last year was 90. 90? So, like, I started the season a little slower. I was more like 88 to 90, and then mm. I ended up this season hitting 93s. But it was mostly like 89, 91, 92. Mm. I don't think I can let Mateo off the hook without asking, like, what's your thoughts on, like, the robot umpires? Oh. I am... I would love to have them because <laughs> <laughs> really, wow! Yeah, because like the way I pitch, and I there are some pitches that when I throw like inside on a lefty, and the ball like sinks back in, they will never call a strike. And then they, after the and, uh, and every time like I thought there was a strike, go back to watch the the game with the trackman and see that pitch was actually a strike, was a strike tree looking or stuff like that. And the ball that and the pitch never gets calls strike. So that's got to be so frustrating as a pitcher, like to hit your spots and know it's it doesn't matter. Like for you, the strike zone's really coming into like a you know the batting practice shape of a net. Yeah, the thing I hate the most is like when umpires don't call like high pitches. Like the strike zone for them is like only like at the knees or just above. But when you throw like a fastball up and away or up and in on the plate. That's a strike. Like the the strike zone is like a is like almost like a square. So like if you hit the corner like up and in or low and away, it should be a strike anyway. So, but there is like mm. you know for me pitching, I throw a fastball up and in, it's a strike. It doesn't get go a strike, and I'm getting pissed. And then they throw a fastball low and away, it's like two inches off the plate, and the umpire calls it. So the hitter is like, oh, that was a ball, and that, that's why I think Rob umpires could help the game. So like. If you strike wow. out, you know you oh. know it was a strike, you know. Oh, so Steven's I'm so a purist, torn, man. I you, I you am. like I, it. I, hear me I, out. I love, I love it, pitch but... framing. I think that's amazing. Like I caught for a lot of. I've only played for like ten years, but I played growing up, and I caught a lot. And so I love watching good catchers frame pitches, and I think that's a cool part of the game. And so if you if you if you can frame it, but there's a trackman that says, "Just kidding, no, it's not." Then you kind of like take apart. Now I get what you're saying too. Like I understand that part of it. It's just hard to for me to be. I, mean, like, I feel. Yeah, I feel cool. like uh, there should be like not 100 percent raw umpires, but when there's a pitch, I don't know. Like you just put like some rules about it. So the umpire like review says, the play. No, not review. But if there is like a pitch that is like I don't know more than like four inches of the plate, and the umpire calls a strike, it can be overturned or stuff like that. It's like yeah, things like yeah. that, like. It cannot like there is a pitch that might be like like I don't know like this much of the plate and it's a strike because the catcher called the pitch and it was like a perfect pitch and it's and it's a ball and then you throw a pitch that is like this much inside the strike zone it gets called a ball so like yeah I feel oh, like I, they yeah. need to make rules 
My, my biggest frustration as a hitter was I hit I hit left handed and and you throw right handed and so a lot of times they would throw these curveballs like a bra- like a backdoor like curveball but it, it goes around the plate but it would still hit that catcher and that, that umpire wants to call it a strike I'm like that is so far outside that's not a strike um, so yeah, yeah it's I the think same I, like the slow curve <laughs> yeah yeah because umpires get like I feel like when they when they pitch with good umpires. Uh, you, you can tell when you pitch like when you have a good umpire when they don't get like if the catcher frames the ball and he's this far off the plate and they're like no it's a ball and you get a curveball and the catcher like catches like I mean they don't see where they they don't care where the catcher catches the ball that's yeah that's really hard to do but that that makes the difference between a good and a bad one it's like who is it Gary Sanchez who caught it like in this very center of the strike zone a year or two ago. And he just like stares at the umpire <laughs> and then looks back. That's like my favorite video. That's that's my argument for Robo Up. Is also, that video? I feel like the the having like the trackland strike zone in the games is killing the umpires too. Because if you don't have it, when there is a pitch that is like one inch off the plate, and the umpire calls a strike, you're like, oh yeah, it, it could be a strike from the TV. And then when you see the strike zone, people don't understand if the ball is like this far off at Bro, 100 just- miles an hour. We just had this conversation. I, I, I honestly, I think the the little square is because it's not even because doesn't the strike zone changes a little bit depending on like how deep your crouch is, right? Because it's a certain thing. So yeah. that's right, but it's also well, like kind of so not that, also right. That raises a question for me. So I work for the company that invented that on the TV. Um, okay. So here's one thing I wondered is with the strike zone, right? The strike zone depends on where the batter is when it crosses the plate. Or when the pitcher delivers the pitch, right? Because I could crouch down really low if I see a high pitch and I want it to get called a ball. Mm-hmm. So should it matter? Do you know what I'm saying by that? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen. I've seen. I think I've seen umpires like call like they're like I, I don't know if it was in the pros, but it was like they kind of like scrunched down and it's like no, stand up a little bit. See, that's perfectly strike. Like yeah. Because obviously Aaron Judge's strike zone is a lot bigger than Jose Altuve's, <laughs> right? Like he's a foot taller than him. So yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I feel like the strike zone should be the like normal, po- like the normal standing of the hitter. Like if yeah. he cranks down to get a high pitch and get called ball, that's that's still a strike. Yeah, that's I a mean, very if, pitcher if mentality. You get like a pitch through the knees and you jump. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've yeah, seen strikes. Yeah. I've seen strikes that are not called when like the catcher pitcher mess up, right? So like the catcher thinks it's a fastball and it's actually yeah, a curveball. Like he goes to stand up. Yep, and you're like, hey, that was a strike. So oh. okay, I have two last questions for you as we're wrapping up. Last one, I kind of want to touch back on that one. Is I, I heard this debate on the radio between a couple football players, and it got me curious too. Is would you rather make it to the Hall of Fame or not make it but have won a World Series? Mm. That's hard questions. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. That was hard tough. question. Because the thing about it is, if so you're you asking if me- someone wants to be Clayton Kershaw, <laughs> <laughs> oh, careful! He's still in his career. The thing is, like, if you get to the, if you make it to the Hall of Fame, and people are like, "Oh, like he's a Hall of Famer, but he cannot win a World Series," or you win the World Series, it's like, "Oh, that guy's in the Hall of Fame, but you're not." So. Man. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> do you want to be Clayton Kershaw or Anibal Sanchez? That's the question. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'll be. Uh, damn. And then Maybe I, I kind of wanted Kershaw. To... I would say Kershaw. Yep. 
I mean, yeah. it, it depends. I feel like it depends on your career. Like, if yeah. you were good and people like know, like everyone knows you're good and you win a World Series, but you don't make it to the Hall of Fame, that's good. But if you're nobody and uh, you win a World Series, that that's better than. Like it, yeah. it depends. I don't know. Yeah. There's people that like never played and have a ring. Like there's a guy that played for Texas. It was a catcher like a few years ago, and he was in the in the roster with the the, the Nationals last year. He got called out for the playoffs and won a World Series. Like that, that's amazing, you know. But you didn't do I mean, anything. I feel like. <laughs> Like yeah. it depends, like the way I win the World Series. Like if I win and I play and I'm like a clutch player, I would rather win a World Series than win the whole thing. Yeah. If I win a World Series, being on the like sitting on the bench, like it's, right, you still right. win, but like you don't feel you did your part to win. I don't know. I don't know I if, I, if it makes sense. So there, we call ourselves designated sitters because we have nowhere near the talent you have. So we're kind of doomed to just love the stats and, and play fantasy baseball for the rest of our life. For the kids who aren't yet designated sitters, who still have like a chance to make it as far as you have to this point, um, what advice would you give them? Is there any big misconceptions you would get out of the way for them, things that they believe growing up? Or is, is there a moment that you like made a mistake and learned something that you think would be worth them knowing? Uh, I feel like the biggest mistake is about healthy and uh, there's uh, so many people that go to college for example and they they want to hide from coach like their arm pain or stuff like that to be like to look like the tough guy to seem the tough guy and say okay my arm, I'm fine coach I'm fine and you go on the mound and you're like you drop five miles an hour from your fastballs and coach comes to you like no pro- I promise I'm good I'm good to go like yes you're a tough guy you want to be in the game like I don't know, like, Max Scherzer is, like, a great competitor on the on the mound. I love him, but if he, if he drops his fastball by six miles an hour because his elbow is hurting, I feel he's going to tell, like, his coach and his trainer, like, my elbow is not good. Because if you build trust in your coach and, you know, and they know you, you don't lie to them, then there's no point for lying about your healthy, about your health. And in Juca, I had, I had people saying, oh, my arm is fine, my arm is fine, and they end their career after, like, two years. Like, Juca was their last game they ever played because they said, no, my arm is fine, and they kept playing on it, pitching on it, and they, I don't know. I feel that's, like, a good... That's really good. <laughs> that's really good. Besides everything else, I feel like that's, like, if you if you get hurt, you cannot make it. Like, there's no chance you can make it if you get hurt. Well, Matteo, thank you so much for jumping on with us. I, I think all of us will be paying pretty close attention to your career, you know, here on out, and we're really hoping for big things. Um, you're in the Pacific Coast League, so hopefully we'll see you here in Salt Lake or maybe down in Arizona sometime, and we'll come say hi. But Heck yeah. Um, right. Thank you for having Thank me. you so much. I can't yeah. you I want Melody to take me home Please don't wait too long Yeah Wanna hear you sing Wanna make you moan Melody, please take me home Please don't wait too long Yeah Wanna hear you 